재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 We are back. Our final segment of the week, News Digest, getting some analysis on some of the top major issues here in this country. And who better to do this than, of course, our good friend from Hongik University, law professor Cho y y o u n g Professor Cho, thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you, Henry. Um, we'll talk politics first, a host of different issues. Um, first, the National Assembly Speaker. Finally have a new speaker. He is from the opposition, the Minji Party of Korea, Chung Se-kyun, of course, veteran lawmaker, well-respected. Overall thoughts? Yeah, um, as you say, it was a difficult process selecting the new speaker for the 20th Assembly. Mr. Chung Se-kyun, as you say, is one of the bright lights of the Dominju Party. And I'm sure he'll do you know, very well in performing the role of the speaker of the Assembly. But I do have to wonder about the strategy that Dominju used to get him appointed as the speaker. And I wonder if they didn't... Um, make too much of a trade-off as a result. I was going to get there because we're all talking about, oh, wow, this was such a great compromise where this Henry said, look, we will give you the speakership, but then we want to get the, the most prime chairmanships, the most powerful committees in the National Assembly, the mm-hmm. steering legislation and judiciary committees, when... They basically moved the, it's that term. They moved the goalposts in in terms of the negotiation because in the right. beginning it was just okay. Well, you are the, uh, the 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 party with the plurality, and we've had this precedent, so we're going to have a speaker from the opposition. Right. And then all of a sudden the, the blue house comes in and, and moves the goalposts, and, and all of a sudden now they've lost their leverage. I don't know how this negotiation all all of a sudden kind of fell apart like that. Do you Can know, you explain? Do you know? I actually teach negotiation. Okay. It's one of the subjects that I lecture, and I, I, I think maybe I should actually get all the Tominju party um, <laughs> politicians together and give them a free lecture on you know negotiation <laughs> tactics because they really dropped the ball, I think, um, and they they really sort of played to the tune of Senri Party, and they didn't really manage. to um, look out for their right. own interests. But the um, thing was, Senri was very much chastened after the results mm. of the general election. And it seemed like at that point, we were at this negotiating point where this was the point to negotiate, right? The, mm-hmm. And which of these committees will go, mm-hmm. but we're going to get the speakership. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the Blue House came in and mm. said, no, that's not going to be acceptable. And then mm. they said, okay, we're going to have to renegotiate this. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't really understand why... I mean, whether it was just Minju and obviously the People's Party with their so-called casting vote power, right. but why they had to all of a sudden shift to kind of give themselves less re- leverage. I also don't know. And, Public sentiment? You know, um, unless you were in, in the room and you were sort of privy to the backroom deals, I, I really don't know. Um, but when you look at some of the the chairman, um, chairperson posts that d o m i n j u ended up with, they are... some committees with certain kind of benefits um, as well as the the um, party right, as well right. and I wonder if I mean I don't want to speculate um, too much but if there there were some certain other interests at play because mm. politically or strategically yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense and um, particularly when d o m i n j u had said time again for example that they really care about the national policy committee the state affairs committee that um, control the the um, the fair trade commission and jebel reform issues etc and they had fought so hard to um, control the the legislative and judiciary committee in the last assembly and f- for them to just sort of give it away like this mm. when there are really important issues like the Jeonggwan Yeo reforms mm-hmm. and 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 so on 
um, I think they really sort of didn't manage this very well. Yeah, indeed. Now, speaking of the Blue House, uh, again, um, the election results, uh, you would expect the ruling party is chastened by it, the Blue House also, uh, somewhat uh, having to hear the resounding voice of the people right now. Uh, there was a, I would say, a minor reshuffle of some of the uh, aides in the Blue House. Uh, big deal? Not a big deal? Yeah, difficult to tell. You know, um, obviously the president is trying desperately to get some fresh blood into her her sort of tired administration. Um, but, you know, we are already into this lame duck phase of her um, her presidency. And I didn't really see any real fresh faces mm. among the appointees. Um, no real reformers. And uh, all of them are pretty much, you know, the Chimbak um, sort of group. So I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference. The interesting thing is um, in the Blue House, and obviously they are going to be that very uh, super ultra loyal park members to, to be part of that, I suppose, Blue mm -hmm. House staff. In the National Assembly, we've seen a little bit of a shift. Uh, the, I, the, the vice speaker is a person who is not part of that pro-park coalition. Right. Uh, the, the floor leader, Chung ji is also not a uh, pro-park uh, coalition person. As far as legislation then goes, um, without the blessing of the Blue House, are they going to be able to agree on anything with the uh, 20th National Assembly? Are we pretty pessimistic because we're heading into a presidential election year that not much is going to be accomplished? Well, when you look at the legislative agenda and all of the issues that the, the 20th Assembly has to deal with, I am slightly pessimistic as, as to how much they'll be able to accomplish because all of these you know, big issues are so controversial and um, it was so difficult to get any kind of resolution in the last Assembly. Um, you know, we've got the self-very special law, we've got that, you know, the Jong-un-ho gate in the judiciary and um, prosecutorial corruption scandal, travel reform, the commercial re bank reforms, um, uh, state-backed banks and their creditability, public broadcasting stations and their independence, um, telecommunications industry reform, education reform, child welfare policies, North Korea and the reopening of Kaesong Industrial Complex, the third deployment, you know, dealing with military supply chain corruption. Yeah. The list goes on and on and on. And none of these is um, an easy issue. And none of these um, can we see a real sort of common ground between the two main parties? We don't know how the dynamic is, to going, to, is going to work out with the um, People's Party, People's Party yeah. sort of in the mix. But I have to say, um, given <laughs> looking at the process of selecting the Speaker of the Assembly, yeah. um, I... I'm slightly pessimistic at this point. I, I'm saying the amazing thing, if you look at the platforms that the various parties have come out with, what their legislative priorities are, mm -hmm. it, essentially nothing's changed on the the administration and the ruling party side is, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they feel optics-wise they have to keep, we're going to keep pushing for these labor and, and, and Reforms. reform bills yeah, that yeah. were so contentious that they couldn't... Yes even pass with a majority, right. a, a strong majority, and they were wanting through hubris a supermajority to be right. able to ram this through. But right. they are still insisting that this is something that we're going to have to work with on the opposition. Yeah, good point. And when you said initially that, you know, Senator Party is chastened after the election 
and the Blue House as well, I did wonder about that because they may feel let down that they, you know, um, did so poorly in the election. But did they feel really chastened? If you look at their conduct, Mm. if you look at their, you know, legislative agenda, if you look at how they're behaving, their main players that are remaining within the in the party, their treatment of Yoo Seung-min, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Yoo Seung-min, etc. I don't really think they okay. feel that chastened. <laughs> Let's talk about the ruling Senate Party then for our final point on this. A uh, lot of discord there. I think we all know about the whole uh, Jin Park and uh, the mess with the nominations heading up to the general elections, uh, sort of. Uh, everyone had to take a fall in terms of the leadership as far as the debacle of the election results. What happens now? There are presidential candidates that would like to position themselves. Um, the former chairman, Kim Musang, uh, the, um, the former floor leader, Yu Sung-min, uh, all of these guys who are not the uh, super ultra-loyal list like Choi Kyung-hwan, how are they going to position themselves? How are they going to work this out? Well, they will be talking for the, their position very hard, particularly now that you know Mr. Pang Ki Moon is being touted as the potential, you know, um, presidential candidate. And um, I think in the recent polls, he actually you know, scored the highest of all yeah. um, candidates that are talked about. And um, Mr. Kim Kim Musong obviously has you know really sort of strong presidential ambitions, and he really thought that he sort of had it in the bag. I think up until maybe just a few months. Months ago, um, and Mr. Using Min really sort of um, gained personal recognition uh, through sort of standing up to the Blue House. But he's, I think, he probably lost out the most um, among the potential Senate Party candidates um, as a result of this election, election results because a lot of his allies, yeah, his in guys the didn't party, make it. Yeah. Exactly. So he's in a rather precarious position. You know, he even had to sort of um, get out of the party against his actual, you know, personal wishes, and so. He's got um, longer, sort of tougher way to crawl back. Mr. Kim, the, I think he's lost a lot of personal credibility as a result of that um, that selection process debacle. And so it's he talked a, a big of, game, but at the end of the day, he was pretty impotent, right? Right, exactly. So I think it's going to be a question of how he can rega- regain that sort of um, personal credibility and mm. build himself up again. All right, let's turn to our second topic, perhaps a more interesting topic. Um, this actually hits pretty close to home for you. A controversial piece of artwork at Hongik University. Uh, it symbolizes Ilbe, allegedly. Uh, Ilbe, for our expat listeners, this very far-right Internet community was vandalized by students uh, last week. So we have these classic debates coming out, right? Free speech, uh, freedom of expression. Um, how far does this go? As far as the freedom of expression issue, I can say whatever I want because I am a human being and I have my own free will. But how does that all pertain with right now what's going on with the Ilbe sculpture at uh, Hongik? Right. Okay. Um, just to sort of clarify, the sculpture was certainly vandalized by students. They threw eggs and tomato and etc. Okay. at it. But it was actually um, pulled down and destroyed by outsiders, so third parties. Um, when it comes to free speech in South Korea, the Korean constitution does protect um, freedom of expression, but only in a sort of certain way. It's not like the U.S. constitution, its First Amendment, which essentially prohibits all laws that abridge um, freedom of speech. Under the Korean constitution, um, it protects 
very specific um, speeches. So it protects secrecy of communication um, from intrusion. And so this actually protects all online communication. Um, mm. Second is the protection of media and publication, as well as freedom of association and assembly. But it doesn't say specifically speech, which means that certain type of speech is protected, but not all um, speech. A third kind of um, freedom that it protects is artistic freedom. So there is a specific um, article in the Constitution which says that the freedom of um, artists are protected by law and the rights of artists are you know, very much guaranteed under the Constitution. So to answer your question, um, there is freedom of speech. And in this particular instance, the artist's right to express her way, herself in that way. But we don't actually know what she was expressing mm -hmm. through that sculpture. Um, or we do, but, you know, it's sort of more complicated than what it appears. Uh, that is protected. As to whether um, the other people who were protesting against that sculpture had their freedom of expression protected, I think there is a question mark over that. Okay. Now... When we talk about freedom of speech, and you pointed out some of the differences between the U.S. and Korea for this, is it pretty much impossible to try and make a standardized, unambiguous sort of line-in-the-sand distinction as to what constitutes free speech? I would say... Um it's, it is difficult to sort of draw an unambiguous line, but you can certainly draw very clear boundaries, and that already exists under both Korean and U.S. law. So under the Korean law, defamatory speech is prohibited by law. Seditious speech, so treasonous speech, is also prohibited. Um, insulting speech you can also get damages for. Um, in the US, what they have is also what's called hate speech. Mm -hmm. So um, the kind of uh, speech that attacks a person or a group based on their gender, race, religion, disability, nationality, ethnicity, or sexual orientation, etc. But Korea doesn't even have a general discrimination law, actually. Um, and constitution only mentions very specific um, grounds of um, discrimination that's prohibited under the law. And so it's a bit more difficult to try to prohibit people from speaking out based on those grounds. Of course, the ideal is if we're all kind of gathering together like in the uh, Roman Senate, in our togas, or in British Parliament, put on our powdered wigs and kind of civilly discuss some of these contentious <laughs> issues. That'd be wonderful. But the opposing side, the people who are accused of vandalism, as you say, they're the outsiders were the ones who knocked it down. Um, maybe some of the students were throwing eggs at it. Is there a line with, I don't like what you're saying, I find it offensive, I find it um, constituting hate speech, but when you kind of mo move into more what people might say violent or destructive means is that something that should be condemned yeah i mean this this is difficult because i can see why this sculpture was so disturbing and um confronting to so many people because of what it potentially represents but the uh, artist's intention was to actually bring that out to the to the fore you know bring it to the surface the title of the piece itself is you know it's everywhere and it's nowhere and it's really sort of referring to this phenomenon of ilbe and she sort of um drew analogy between the reaction of those people who are attacking the sculpture and the ilbe community um itself in that uh, but 
they are both essentially just attacking violently, um, reacting directly to something that does that they don't mm. like, simply based on the fact that they don't like it, not with, without trying to understand what that actually means. And so in that sense, the artist has succeeded, I guess. Um, Mm, but okay. it's it is difficult because by prohibiting um, free discussion of this kind of thing, you are essentially suppressing a type of freedom. But at the same time, there are certain speeches that are really dangerous that mm. can undermine the fundamentals of democracy. I mean, some people compare the Ilbe community to the the European fascists group of um, the interwar and postwar era, and. Um, if that is the case, then you know we do need to uh, be concerned. But insofar as they uh, their presence is concerned right now, they are not declared unconstitutional. Right. You know, they they have their right to express themselves, and so it's difficult to sort of prohibit their their speech. It's very different from let's say Third Reich era and Nazi Germany, and now present modern Germany, basically right. banning anything that is. Uh, we're, we're not talking about Ilbe being a former regime of this mm-hmm. this country. Um, again, that analogy to the Roman Senate and and British Parliament or what have you is Korea unique in that? Is it difficult? Is it hard to have a free exchange and a constructive debate on ideas? Do we always have to resort to yelling, or is that just something that every country has? I, I would say, look at the U.S. right, right now. Exactly. <laughs> so Me I don't too. think it's um, unusual or unique in that sense. But I think what we are seeing is. Um, a sort of manifestation of this deep anxiety and fear and angst that's kind of felt by most a lot of the members of our society right now because of the this kind of seismic change that our society is going through and um, what used to be certain and clear are no longer certain and clear you know mm. um, you had this promise if you work hard study hard go to a good school then you know you will be um, set for life that no longer works um, and we are seeing this kind of ossification of stratified society right. and people feel frustration but what's more um, dangerous I think is and some people might question this linkage between this Ilbe incident and the Jeonggwan Yeu um, uh, Incident, but there is this deep mistrust of the the fundamental systems and mm. um, institutions of the society, and people do not feel that they can trust that they will have an equal opportunity right. um, in participating in the society. And this sort of um, dissent conflict, I think, arise out of that sort of um, causes as well. The fear would be the emergence of a Korean version of a Donald Trump, I suppose, because that feeds on those same fears. A- absolutely, yeah. yeah. For the next presidential election, we don't we don't know what kind of yeah personality might appear. Uh, almost out of time, but any final thoughts you'd like to share on this issue? Just wishing that we could have a bit more space, you know, a bit more breathing space to think and reflect and consider and to empathize. And I think it's a homework for all of us how to achieve that. Yeah, it's a difficult, difficult issue. Obviously, something that we're not going to be able to solve within (laughs) these uh, 10 minutes. But, Professor Joe, as always, a pleasure to have you here, and we hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. You too.